Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another edition of Alternative News brought to you by Romina Betsin from the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament produced at the community radio station 3CR. Today I will speak about the event held by CICD celebrating John's life and his achievements last Sunday at the Unitarian Church. What Liberal Government is up to. The event held on Sunday was an excellent celebration of John's life. Over 100 people attended. It was an opportunity for catch-up with old friends, which brought a lot of memories to a lot of people. In my presentation, I read a number of positive messages received from around the world supporting the amazing work he has done. One particular email was from Barbara Dane, a jazz singer and peace activist from the United States, who said, There is no way to build a sustaining and successful road to the future without the paving stones of the past. Those who document our history of resistance to war, who by their words and pictures remind us of our concern for the pain and joy of others, and inspire us to dream a better world, occupy a special place in our lives. This is why you have gathered in Melbourne to honour John Brandt Ellis, and why we can hear a ripple of applause circling the globe, lifted by many who are celebrating with you from afar. Hats off and sweeping bow to this man, who can best be described in these words of Bertolt Brecht. There are those who fight one day and are good. There are others who fight one year and are better. There are some who fight many years and they are better still. But there are some who fight their whole lives. These are the ones who are indispensable. With warmest regards, Barbara Dane, 88-year-old singer and long-time activist for peace and justice. John Ellis was presented with life membership and record of appreciation in recognition of John's decades of activism and commitment to the campaign for peace, nuclear disarmament and social justice. During this time, John has created a substantial and comprehensive photographic record that documented the anti-war Aboriginal Union refugees and anti-uranium mining movements and a broad expression of community activism in Melbourne. At the event, John's website was introduced and launched. John's new website includes links to John's collections held by the University of Melbourne Archives. The website address is johnbrandellis.weebly.com. What the Liberal government is up to. Return income taxing powers to the states. 
Mr. Temple's last-minute proposal put to state premiers at the COAC meeting that states levy their own income tax because they are clearly wasting federal funds on health and education. A proposal that was rejected, except WA Premier Colin Barnett. Not only did the tax proposal put at Kayak look uninspiring, the Prime Minister's anti-corruption in construction election plank is weak in light of the evidence of corruption surfacing in the New South Wales ICAC into Liberal funding, which suggests most of his party's funds in that state came from prohibited donors. Renowned for its pursuit of the noblest ideals of community service, public discourse and intellectual inquiry, the New South Wales Liberal Party suddenly is struggling to account for $690,000 of its own funds or access any of their $4.4 million until they can tell the New South Wales Electoral Commission who gave them the money. The New South Wales Liberals seem to have overlooked or misunderstood the disclosure rules in the exchange of money for influence known as fundraising. As a result, its funds have been frozen by the Electoral Commission. On education, the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has reassured private schools that they would continue to get their money as part of his government's ongoing commitment to the needs of the privileged. Refugees. According to Peter Dutton this week, when he confirmed that Australia would not be rushing to process Syrian refugees in case they may, in fact, turn out to be terrorists. Speaking at an international refugee meeting in Geneva, whose organisers were hoping might boost offers from nations such as Australia to open their doors and take more refugees, Dutton dashed hopes by declaring that governments need to tighten their borders and quickly send home migrants not in need of protection. Only 29 refugees out of the announced intake of 12,000 have so far been resettled in Australia. Julie Bishop's sale of uranium to Ukraine. Foreign Minister Julie Bishop is attending a meeting in Washington, D.C. for the Nuclear Security Summit, where, in an attempt to divert us all from our real duty and responsibility to humanity, world leaders are discussing how to protect uranium and plutonium from falling into the hands of terrorists. There are 50 countries and four international organizations attending the summit who have managed to get the phrase dirty nuclear bomb into the news by raising the prospect that terrorists might make one. Australia will be selling uranium to the Ukraine, announced by Julie Bishop, the foreign minister, on 1st April. Bishop also has the nerve to be attending what is supposed to be a nuclear security summit. Of Ukraine's 15 nuclear reactors are already past their use-by date, with six more to follow by 2020. Australia has suspended uranium sales to Russia, 
but now sees fit to deal with Ukrainian, where two-thirds of the nation's nuclear reactors will be dangerously out of date within five years. None of this was mentioned by Miss Bishop, who is also keeping quiet about her government ignoring UN Secretary-General's call for Australia to have a dedicated risk analysis of the impacts of the uranium sector. Both deals reflect the extent to which the government is prepared to put the interests of the Australian mining above all other considerations, including international stability and safety, or be so short-sighted on matters of legality of its international obligations to refugees and nuclear safeguards. We need to stop thinking of education as a cost. There was a time when we were happy with our training providers, a push to deregulate, privatise and streamline have seen our standards slip. In their place, we have a multi-billion dollar sector extracting high fees for low value. For many generations of Australians, the only knowledge of the education and training system we know is government-backed and regulated. Universities and TAFEs have been the backbone of Australia's growing level of world-class expertise. The federal government announced that students attending privately run, although government-approved registered training organisations, can now access VET fee-help loans. First off, the recognised training organisations, RTOs, grew in size. This is great as more and more people begin the journey to greater skills. As an example, payments made to global intellectual holdings went from $1.7 million in 2013 to $35 million in 2014. By the close of calendar year 2015, that total had grown to just over $80 million. We have seen stories of these RTOs around the shopping centres of low socio-economic areas selling courses to people who simply don't understand what they are signing up for. Promises of free education, free laptops and iPads and guaranteed jobs are routinely made. These people are never checked for stability for any particular course. Previous studies or prerequisites such as mathematics and knowledge for accounting courses are not required. The salespersons are highly paid and have very high quotas to meet. Often these newly enrolled students do not understand that the VET fee help program is in fact a loan. Now these organisations are being investigated for fraudulent behaviour and inconsistent marketing materials. So how do we get our VET system back on track? We need to fund our public VET system like it is turning out some of the most highly regarded men and women in their fields the world over. Education and training will always cost money. Tax evasion by big business. Tax evading, tax avoiding by the rich 
reports in the mainstream media about the activities of the 14,000 clients of Panama headquartered company Mossack Fonseca and the 220,000 shell companies. This is not just the actions of a few. It is systematic. The Australian Tax Office is investigating the activities of 800 Australian high-wealth individuals. They are Australians with a net worth of more than $30 million. However, the Panama Papers are not just about individuals. They also refer to a lot of companies, for example, Australian banks and Australia's and the world's biggest mining companies. BHP Bulletin are mentioned among the 11.5 million documents. Wilson Security, the company who guard the ATO at night and destroy the lives of asylum seekers at refugee detention centers, is also mentioned. The Wilson Security arrangements are a good example of one of the reasons rich people might use the services of Mossack Fonseca, among others. Politicians are in on it as well. Prime Minister Malcolm Temple, one of Australia's richest men, has what appears to be high-earning investments in or through the Cayman Islands. He says he pays the correct amount of income tax in Australia. If this is so, why doesn't he release details of his arrangements that he has paid the correct amount? Nevertheless, the Panama Papers can help us to begin to understand the complicated relationships between the defenders of capital and the secrecy jurisdictions. These revelations are the latest in a range of leaked and other information about the dark underside of capitalism. The current government announced its recent tax law amendments as showing how committed it is to tackling tax avoidance. These changes won't address the web of lies the Panama Papers reveal. The problem of tax avoidance is systematic. It requires a systematic solution. Big business tax avoidance gives the lie to the Turnbull government that we have to live within our means. This will be the justification for the ongoing cuts to public health and education, to public transport and to social welfare. There would be no budget crisis if we addressed big business tax avoidance. We could tax the rich to fund better services. None of the parties of neoliberalism the Liberals and Nationals and the Labour Party are going to really do this. The leak of the Panama Papers has sparked a war of words between the major parties over whether Australia is doing enough to close tax loopholes. More than a third of the largest public companies and multinational entities paid no tax in Australia in the most recent financial year on record. According to the first transparency report published by the ATO. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Alternative News brought to you from the community radio station 3CR. I'm Romina Betsen. Looking forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.